0: Welcome to the history of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Born in 1580, John Smith was an English soldier, explorer, colonial governor, admiral of New England, and author. He named the region of New England and played an important role in the establishment of the colony at Jamestown. He was a leader of the Virginia colony and led an expedition along the rivers of Virginia and the Chesapeake Bay. During which he became the first English explorer to map the Chesapeake area. Later he explored and charted the coast of New England. Smith's books and maps were important in encouraging and supporting English colonization of the New World. He then stated, Here every man may be master and owner of his own labor and land. If he have nothing but his hands, he may, by industries, Quickly grow rich. Smith died in London in 1631. Let's hear more about his thrilling American adventures from our friends at LibriVox.
1: The Thrilling Adventure of Captain John Smith For those who love stories of the Indians and the strange and perilous adventures of white men in dealing with the forest tribes, we cannot do better than give a remarkable anecdote of life in the Virginia woodlands three centuries ago on a day near the opening of the winter of 1608 a small boat in which were several men might have been seen going up the james river under the shadow of the high trees that bordered its banks they came at length to a point where a smaller stream flowed into the james wide at its mouth but soon growing narrow into this the boat was turned and rowed briskly onward under the direction of the leader of the expedition they were soon in the heart of the wild wood whose dense forest growth clustered thickly on either bank of the stream which ran in a narrow silver thread through the green wilderness. The stream they pursued is that now known as the Chickahominy River, so called for an Indian tribe of that name, the most daring and warlike of all the Indians of the region. As they went on the stream grew narrower still, and in time became so shallow that the boat could go no farther. As they sat there in doubt, debating what had better be done, the bushes by the waterside were thrust aside, and dusky faces looked out upon them through the leaves. The leader of the whites beckoned to them, and two men stepped out of the bushy thicket, making signs of great friendliness. They pointed to the large boat and indicated by gestures that they had smaller craft near at hand, and would lend one to the whites if they wished to go farther up; they would go along with them and show them the way. The leader of the party of whites was named john Smith-this is a very common name, but he was the one john Smith who has made the name famous in history. He had met many Indians before, and found most of them friendly but he had never seen any of the Chickahomines, and did not know that they were enemies to the whites. So he accepted the offer of the Indians. The boat was taken back down the stream to a sort of wide bay where he thought it would be safe. Here, the Indians brought him one of their light but strong canoes. Smith wanted to explore the stream higher up, and thinking that he could trust these very friendly-looking Indians, he got into the canoe, bidding two of his men to come with him. To the others he said, Do not leave your boat on any account. These fellows seem all right, but they are never to be trusted too far. There may be more of them in the woods, so be wide awake and keep your wits about you." The two Indians now got into the canoe with Smith and his men, and began to paddle it up the stream, keeping on until they were miles from the starting point. Undergrowth rose thickly on the banks, and vines hung down in green masses from the trees, so that the boat they had left was quickly lost to sight. Soon after that the men in the large boat did a very foolish thing. Heedless of the orders of their leader, they left the boat and strolled into the woods. They had not gone far before a party of Indians came rushing at them with wild cries, and followed them fiercely as they turned and ran back to their boat. One of them was caught by the Indians, and as the fugitives sprang into their boat, they were horrified to see the hapless fellow killed by his captors. This lesson taught them not to leave the boat again. Ignorant of all this, Smith went on, the boat being paddled here under a low canopy of vines, there through open spaces, until far up the stream. At length, as passage grew more difficult, he bade his guides to stop, and stepped ashore. Taking one of the Indians with him, he set out, carbine on shoulder, saying that he would provide food for the party. He cautioned his two followers, as he had done those in the large boat, to keep a sharp lookout, and not let themselves be surprised. But these men proved to be as foolish and reckless as the others. The air was cool, and they built a fire on the bank. Then, utterly heedless of danger, they lay down beside it, and soon were fast asleep. As they lay slumbering, the Indians, who had started up the stream after killing their prisoner at the boat, came upon them in this helpless state. They at once killed the foolish pair, and then started into the woods on the trail of Smith. Daring and full of resources as Captain John Smith was, he had taken a dangerous risk in thus venturing alone into those forest depths, peopled only by prowling and hostile Indians. It proved to be the most desperate crisis of his life, full of adventure as this life had been. As a youthful soldier he had gone through great perils in the wars with the Turks, and once had killed three Turkish warriors in single combat between two armies, but never before had he been in such danger of death as he was now, alone with a treacherous Indian, while a dozen or more of others bent on his death were trailing him through the woods. He was first made aware of his danger when a flight of arrows came from the low bushes nearby. Then, with fierce war-whoops, the Indian braves rushed upon him with brandished knives and tomahawks, but desperate as was his situation in the heart of the forest far from help surrounded by foes who thirsted for his blood smith did not lose his courage or his coolness he fired his pistol at the indians two of them falling wounded or dead as they drew back in dismay he seized his guide and tied him to his left arm with his garter as a protection from their arrows and then started through the woods in the direction of the canoe Walking backward with his face to his pursuers, and keeping them off with his weapons, he had not taken many steps before he found his feet sinking in the soft soil. He was in the edge of the great swamp still known in that region, and before he was aware of the danger he sank into it to his waist and his guide with him. The other Indians held back in fear until he had thrown away his weapons, when they rushed upon him, drew him out of the mud, and led him captive to the fire where his two companions lay dead. Smith's case now seemed truly desperate. He knew enough of the Indians to have very little hope of life. Yet he was not inclined to give up while a shadowy chance remained. Taking from his pocket a small compass, which he carried to aid him in his forest journeys, he gave it to the Indian chief, showing him how the needle always pointed to the north. But while the chief was looking curiously at this magic toy, as it seemed to him, the other Indians bound their captive to a tree and bent their bows to shoot him. Their deadly purpose was prevented by the chief, who waved the compass in the air and bade them stop. For the time, the mystery of the compass seemed to have saved the captive's life. Smith was now taken through the woods, the journey ending at an Indian village called Orapakis. Here the dusky women and children took the captive in hand, dancing wildly around him with fierce cries and threatening gestures, while the warriors looked grimly on. Yet Smith bore their insults and threats with impassive face and unflinching attitude. At length, Opechancanough, the chief, pleased to find that he had a brave man for captive bade them cease, and food was brought forth for Smith and his captors. While they were in the village, two interesting examples of the simplicity of Indian thought took place. Smith wrote a message to Jamestown, the settlement of the whites, sending it by one of the Indians, and receiving an answer. On his reading this, and speaking of what he had learned from it, the Indians looked on it as the work of enchantment. They could not comprehend how paper could talk. Another thing was the following. They showed him a bag of gunpowder which they had somehow obtained saying that they were going to sow it in the ground the next spring and gather a crop of this useful substance. After spending some days in this and other villages, the captive was taken into the woods, his captors making him understand that they were going on a long journey. Whither he was being taken, or what was to be his fate, Smith was not aware. The language of gestures, which was his only way of conversing with the Indians, soon reached its limit, and he was quite ignorant of what they proposed to do with him, though his heart must have sunk as they went on day after day northward through the forest on they walked in single file smith unbound and seemingly free in their midst but with a watchful indian guard close beside him ready to shoot him if he made any effort to escape village after village was passed in each of which the women and children danced and shrieked around him as at Oropakes. it was evident they knew the value of their prisoner and recognized that they had in their hands the great chief of the pale faces In fact, the Chickahominy chief felt that his captive was of too much importance to be dealt with hastily and was taking him to the village of the great chief Powhatan, who ruled like an emperor over a powerful confederation of tribes.
0: Next time, we continue our expose on the colony of Jamestown. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. The easiest way to support this podcast is to tell one friend. Thanks! I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride.